I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. This is episode 60 of this new program here on KSL News Radio. Can I ask you a favor? Dave and Debbie did something fascinating this morning. They took the video. So we have uh, video cameras here in the studio. You can see them via the KSL News Radio app powered by Any Hour Services. If you download that, you can see what's going on here in the studio. And we record that video and use it for uh, promotional things or sharing stuff later on, uh, whatever works out for us. So Dave and Debbie, they took the footage of their show from uh, a recent episode of their program. And as we have on these airwaves been uh, promoting uh, some of the advice by the World Health Organization, by the Center for Disease Control, by the task force uh, established here in the state of Utah, led by uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, there is uh, a common piece of advice, which is, hey, maybe don't touch your face. Well, it turns out it turns out that uh, it turns out that there is is uh, some there's some advice that we may not be taking ourselves, uh, and that is that we, we've been touching our, our own faces, and they uh, took uh, all of the footage uh, from their program and did one of those quick-cut type things. Every time they touch their face, uh, they you can see it. There's a video there. Now, I myself have a, a nervous tick similar to that. I touch my face uh, a lot, so I need your help. Would you do me a favor? If you, if you do download that app today and if you take a peek inside the, the studio here where, from where we're broadcasting, uh, if you see me <laughs> touching my face, would you uh, <laughs> chastise me? Send me a text message either uh, via the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500 or maybe on Facebook uh, on the Lee Lonsberry uh, Facebook page. I, I need some help with that one. That's a piece of advice that I'm giving that I'm not following myself. In just a moment, we're going to be having uh, another conversation on this topic. But before uh, we get to that, I want to share with you a few more of the uh, details that were shared by the state epidemiologist, Angela Dunn, uh, as she joined the governor this morning uh, and offered a press conference from the Utah Department of uh, Health Canon Health Building here in Salt Lake City. One of the questions asked of the epidemiologist, again, Dr. Dunn, was what about those uh, who aren't older than 60? We know that it's the folks that are over 60 years old uh, who are the most susceptible to this and unfortunately uh, are the ones uh, who have been passing away from this uh, uh, this new virus, this new novel coronavirus. So she was asked, what about those who aren't 
uh, over 60 years of age. For those that are less than 60, we really want the public to understand that if they are sick, they shouldn't be visiting those in the older age group if they are sick, because we really need to protect our older adults. There was another question asked of the epidemiologist, Dr. Dunn, uh, which was, uh, do you still consider the risk low for Utahns? Let me share uh, with you the response, and then in just a moment we'll be speaking with Senator Lee uh, on uh, the issue of Antiquities Act. But here's uh, state epidemiologist Angela Dunn being asked if the risk for Utahns here uh, remains low uh, regarding the coronavirus. Both of our cases have been travel related, meaning they did not contract the virus in Utah, and we have not identified any community spread of COVID-19. And so the risk to Utahns is still low. So that's that. We're going to continue to follow this throughout the day. Uh, and later on in the program, we'll be speaking to uh, Derek Miller, president and CEO of the Salt Lake Chamber. Right now, though, I want to welcome to the program uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee. Uh, sir, how are you? Doing great. Thank you very much, Lee. Uh, my pleasure. Listen, uh, I got uh, a press release, a joint press release uh, from yourself and Senator Romney uh, introducing a piece of legislation protecting Utah's voice in land management. Now, I used to be a, a congressional staffer uh, back in Washington, D.C., worked for uh, Rob Bishop, and we worked on these land issues and uh, some, of the, some of the evils of the Antiquities Act, as it were. And you, uh, along with the junior senator, are working uh, to, to reposition Utah and uh, have there be a, a change. Uh, in, in the law regarding the activities act, could you explain that to us and, and let us know uh, the status of your efforts? Yes, uh, you know, rural Utahns shouldn't have to live under the constant threat of their way of life and their economic viability being suddenly changed with a single stroke of a pen in Washington D.C. And that's why, at a bare minimum, people in Utah uh, deserve the same protection as the residents of Wyoming and Alaska. The protection that they have under the Antiquities Act makes sure that that can't happen without their consent. That's why we're introducing this uh, bill. We, we call it the Or Utah Amendment. We're introducing that to the energy bill that's in front of the Senate right now. It would simply extend the same Antiquities Act protections that Wyoming and Alaska already have and extending those to the state of Utah. Outstanding. And uh, and this is very, very simply adding Utah to, as you mentioned, uh, the, the circumstance of the situation of Wyoming and Alaska, where a president uh, cannot unilaterally declare these national monuments uh, here in the state of Utah, as it is in Wyoming and Alaska, as we've seen here in the past. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we need this. Utah has already given far more than its fair share of national monument lands uh, over to that classification under the Antiquities Act. We've had literally millions of acres taken and rendered into national monuments. And so with that being the case, uh, until other states have given a comparable amount, either relative to their uh, uh, overall land size or their overall federal land allocation even, uh, Utah shouldn't be subject to that by the stroke of a presidential pen. That should require a separate act of Congress. Now, what's the, what's the appetite for support here? Do you think you can pull this off, or what needs to happen uh, to, to change the, the landscape and the appetite uh, to get something like this all the way through both the Senate and the House, ultimately onto the desk of the president? Look, there's no question that this is a heavy lift. Uh, but this is the kind of thing that will pass eventually as we continue to beat the drum on this, as we continue to make clear that it's unfair the way Utah has been treated. It's unfair 
separate and apart from the fact that two-thirds of our land is owned by the federal government. The fact that we've had as much land, as much of that federal land, and as much land as a percentage of our, the size of our state taken into the existing body of national monuments designated under the Antiquities Act is itself unjust. And all we're saying, we're not saying that it can never be uh, created into a, a national monument. We're just saying that it should take more than uh, a single presidential proclamation. It needs to be an act of Congress. Very good. If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a question on another topic. You were uh, a presenter at CPAC, at, where we have since learned was in attendance an individual who later tested positive for the coronavirus. There are a number of other uh, members of Congress who were in attendance uh, who have since self-quarantined because uh, they became aware of exposure to that individual. Uh, what's the update on your front, sir? What, uh, what are you aware of, uh, your proximity to this individual? Uh, what actions are you taking uh, following that conference? I had no exposure to him. Uh, in fact, I was quite relieved when I was informed of that uh, by Matt Lap, who was the organizer of CPAC. Uh, he sent me a text shortly after the news broke that there had been an individual there who had come into contact with several members of Congress who had spoken there. Um, he spoke to the person and discussed the matter with his staff. They concluded that uh, I had no contact with that individual at all. I'm not even sure he was there at the time I spoke, which was early on Thursday morning of CPAC. Right, right. Uh, well, very good. I, I'm relieved to, to hear that. And if, if you don't mind, I apologize for this. Uh, uh, th- there is a question regarding uh, some of the president's responses to this, specifically on the payroll tax. There are, is a discussion about reducing the payroll tax in the short term. Can I get your comments on that and your thoughts? Yeah, uh, we just had a, a discussion with the president about it uh, a few minutes ago. We still have a lot of questions uh, including what exactly it is about that proposal that would help in this particular circumstance um, and uh, w- what other tools we ought to look to I- in order to address this crisis. One of my colleagues helpfully pointed out that that might be something we sh- would want to look at depending on the overall economic impact that this has. But um, when you look at the cost of doing that relative to the gains that could be achieved here, and the people who are most likely to be most affected by uh, diminished wages, we're talking mostly about hourly wages due to, due to the coronavirus, that might not be the best avenue. But, look, I'm willing to look at it, and it sounds to me like it's, it's a priority for the president. Uh, that doesn't mean that it necessarily is going to happen. Uh, nor does that tell us what else would be considered as part of the package. I was hoping going into this meeting we'd get a a broad outline of everything they'd be proposing. And um, the meeting, while interesting, was uh, sort of light on detail. All righty. Well, sir, I'm grateful to you for your report on that front. Uh, Also grateful to you for helping us understand uh, this effort uh, by yourself and Senator Romney introducing an amendment to the American Energy Innovation Act, which would essentially exempt Utah uh, from uh, the Antiquities Act. What did you call it? Uh, us to Utah. What was it? Uh, the Or Utah Amendment. The Or Utah. Because, uh, you right. know, un- unlike many legislative proposals in Congress, some of which are hundreds or even thousands of pages long, this one consists of two words. Just inserting the words "or Utah" so that Utah would be treated the same way as Alaska and Wyoming are under the Antiquities Act. Simple enough, Senator. I'm grateful to you for your time. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Wash your hands.
Great. Thanks so much, Lee. All right. Very good. Uh, we're going to take a, a break here, and in a moment, uh, we're going to be joined by KSL Television's Matt Gephardt. He's got a fascinating story dealing with traveler insurance. Uh, right now, as the coronavirus makes so much of our movement around the world uncertain, uh, it may be important to look into traveler's insurance, and Matt Gephardt has a, a fascinating look into that. He'll share it with us next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.